0: Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com Today is Wednesday the 7th of March 2007 I've had more snow in the last week and a half than I've had all winter and I think they've probably changed their formulas the alchemists in the sky the great Disneyland that's above our heads now so they've combined different mixtures to give us some snow which I'm not complaining about because in this region everything's adapted to a fair bit of snow all the plant life and the trees and so on and they'll need that in the summer and unfortunately too so will the mosquitoes because they th- the more moisture there is in spring in the ground the more they will thrive who invented all this stuff mosquitoes in this paradise eh? Uh, strange sense of humor tonight I was thinking about talking a little bit about how religion and the state not only have always been one but how once one part of it has served its purpose it transforms into what appears to be something new but really isn't at all is perhaps more efficient in controlling people's minds we must remember that not so long ago really not the world is so old and humanity has been around for a long long time that it's difficult for most people to get outside that little box which is their own life their personal journey and understand how people lived not so long ago partly because We're so separated with the generations now Intentionally It's much easier to control people If you can separate Great-grandma and pa Granny and grandpa And even today mother and father From the child This was not only discussed At huge meetings over a hundred years ago Well over a hundred years ago But it's been implemented It's, It's been made to be Not by happenstance but not so long ago, really, before the revolutions began with the uh, the new Rosicrucian cabalistic Masonic societies which openly came out in the fifteen hundreds. Before that theocracy rule by religion was the norm. They had the Vatican had monopoly over a massive part of the world they appointed kings they allowed kings to continue as long as they behaved themselves and gave obedience to the, the religion itself they had to follow a certain amount of orders once in a while a king would turn against the Vatican and they'd have their tiff and ended to be excommunicated and the king couldn't get to heaven Those kings generally didn't care so much. And sometimes they were forgiven and brought back into the fold with a a little bit of repentance. What you were taught from childhood becomes your reality. Nothing new in the science of how to control. In a world where people were allowed to find out everything for themselves, and really when you think about it, if you're born. And not owned by anyone The state or otherwise You could be allowed You could learn everything that you wanted to learn for yourself And be so vastly different From the people we see around us Including yourselves To find out everything we wanted to know By ourselves, by intuition, by following Our opinions would be vastly, vastly different From the indoctrinated, accepted, authorized opinions and theories and so on that we've all swallowed. Therefore the 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 church was always very important. At one time it was it was predominant over kings and queens. For a while around the fifteen hundreds the kings were uh, almost on an equal par basis with power and then of course we had what was called the Lutheran Revolution revolutions are very important the turning the going around planned of course because no system or structure can stand on its own forever therefore it must transform or have an enemy or something to oppose it when a state religion just like a country is opposed those within the country, even if they're abused or within the religion will cling closer to those in authority over them therefore war, threats of war and all that are very important for maintaining control over people Carol Gustav Jung came on the scene at the same time as Freud when this really relatively early Exoteric form of psychiatry and psychology were announced to the world, and Carl Gustav Jung differed with Freud in many, many aspects. Freud's job was basically to attempt to have us individually give up any thought that human life, in a sense, was sacred. We were just a form of animal, higher animal. Which can be reshaped. We're just conditioned reflexes and responses, and all that kind of stuff uh, to things that happened in our childhood and our family arrangement. We adopted all the good parts and all the bad parts. We we copied behaviour. We were products of our environment, and there was nothing more to it. And therefore, if if you were not sacred in a sense, you could be. You were like plastic or plasticine. You were just a building material. Where professionals like Freud himself could come in and experiment on you to alter you into something which he would want to create more perfect in his eyes. I'm going to read a little bit from Jung who opposed, because of his own experiences, he opposed the completely atheistic, mundane view of of Freud he knew there was more to the human psyche than just conditioned responses and a bunch of neurons in the brain that doesn't make you, you and no matter how many degrees you string together in pseudosciences and various pseudosciences all combining together in behaviorism and various forms of psychology and study doesn't alter reality although they'd like to they certainly would like to it might sound very impressive but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true you'll always find that down through history uh, you find dominant groups rising and falling as new ones come up and their first thing to do is to take over the power over the people because the only ones who produce anything to keep everybody at the top in comfort uh, are the masses at the bottom that's just the history of the world. It's a form of slavery. Pure and simple. You can keep changing the terms and call societies by different names, but if it looks like a, a duck and walks like a duck, then it's quite like a duck, it's a duck, you see. So this little bit is from Carl Jung, talking about religion as the counterbalance to mass mindedness. when he wrote this the Cold War was supposedly on and the Soviet system and he wasn't in on the big overall plan I know that and to him the Cold War was very real however he did describe the Soviet system very well now we know the Soviet system is now combined with the capitalist system to make the third way where they, 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 come into, they, they combine the bureaucracies of the Soviet-style government And with the fascism of uh, an ultra-dominant elite Very rich at the top And it's to get much, much worse It's getting worse all the time, let's be honest This is what he says about religions that counterbalance to mass-mindedness In order to free the fiction of the sovereign state In other words, the whims of those who manipulate it, from every wholesome restriction, all socio-political movements tending in this direction invariably try to cut the ground from under the religions. For, in order to turn the individual into a function of the state, his dependence on anything beside the state must be taken from him but religion means dependence on and submission to the irrational facts of experience these do not refer directly to social and physical conditions they concern far more the individual's psychic attitude by psychic he's talking about the wholesome, the complete you the total you your mind personality, everything but it is possible to have an attitude To the external conditions of life only when there is a point of reference outside them. The religions give or claim to give such a standpoint, thereby enabling the individual to exercise his judgment and his power of decision. They build up reserve, as it were, against the obvious and inevitable force of circumstances to which everyone is exposed lives only in the outer world and has no other ground under his feet except the pavement. If statistical reality is the only reality, then it is the sole authority. Now, That's a very important statement that's been echoed by others since. If statistical reality is the only reality, then it is the sole authority. Statistics in the game of statistics is a trick learned from religion only upgraded to a better version we, we can say well there's lies then there's damn lies meaning more intricate lies and then there are statistics well statistics pretend to hide behind the guise of science and we're trained and conditioned that science is the new priesthood and whatever they say must be true and they use statistics to convince us the longer you live the more you will see little bits coming out in newspapers and over media where scientific institutions come up with new theories all the time often contradicting the last theory that was held uh, as the gospel truth for the last 10-20 years And they never notice They never mention or make a big deal like, Well we're, we're taking the opposite view now And this is now the gospel truth And they always use statistics To verify every version they give you So Statistics are very useful In conditioning people Especially The mass man Who doesn't want to stand out like a sore thumb From, from everyone else There is then only one condition, and since no contrary condition exists, judgment and decision are not only superfluous but impossible. Then the individual is bound to be a function of statistics, and hence a function of the state, or whatever the abstract principle of order may be called. Abstract principle of order the religions, however, teach another authority opposed to that of the world. The doctrine of the individual's dependence on God makes just as high a claim upon him as the world does. It may even happen that the absoluteness of this claim estranges him from the world in the same way he is estranged from himself when he succumbs to the collective mentality. He can forfeit his judgment and power of decision in the former case for the sake of religious doctrine quite as much as in the latter this is the goal the religions openly aspire to unless they compromise with the state when they do I prefer to call them not religions but creeds very important part of this a creed gives expression to a definite collective belief whereas the word religion expresses a subjective relationship to certain metaphysical extra-mundane factors. A creed is a confession of faith intended chiefly for the world at large and is thus an intra-mundane affair, while the meaning and purpose of a religion lie in the relationship of the individual to God that's in the Western Hemisphere, Christianity, Judaism, Islam or to the path of salvation and liberation such as within Buddhism from this basic fact all ethics is derived which without the individual's responsibility before God can be called nothing more than conventional morality so a creed is something you're born into as an accepted uh, form of, of collective rituals of built up over a long, long period of time it becomes custom uh, tradition mainly tradition and the initial fire that was instilled is, is doused, it's gone under ritualism, custom uh, and uh, the social doctrine which comes into it the, the, the liberating factor is gone and those people conform to the state system because their churches are registered and authorized by the state they also have a lot of rules to follow they can't talk about certain subjects And that's given to a list of given to them by the state if they are tax exempt. Nothing is free in this world. Nothing in this system. From this fact, this basic fact, all ethics is derived, which, without the individual's responsibility before God, can be called nothing more than conventional morality. See, that's what the the creeds end up doing. You have conventional morality, custom, etc. Since they are compromises with mundane reality, the creeds have accordingly seen themselves obliged to undertake a progressive codification of their views, doctrines, and customs, and in so doing have externalized themselves to such an extent that that the authentic religious element in them, the living relationship to and direct confrontation with their extra-mundane point of reference, has been thrust into the background. The denominational standpoint measures the worth and importance of the subjective religious relationship by the yardstick of traditional doctrine and where this is not so frequent as in Protestantism one immediately hears talk of pietism, sectarianism, eccentricity and so forth as soon as anyone claims to be guided by God's will. A creed coincides with the established church, or at any rate, forms of a public institution whose members include not only true believers, but vast numbers of people who can only be described as indifferent in matters of religion, and who belong to it simply by force of habit. Here the difference be- between a creed and a religion becomes palpable. To be the adherent of a creed, therefore, is not always a religious matter, but more often a social one and as such it does nothing to give the individual any foundation for support he has to depend exclusively on his relation to an authority which is not of this world the criterion here is not lip service to a creed but the psychological fact that the life of the individual is not determined solely by the ego and its opinions or by social factors but quite as much if not more by a transcendent authority it is not ethical principles however lofty or creeds however orthodox that lay the foundations for the freedom and autonomy of the individual but simply and solely the empirical awareness the incontroversial or convertible experience of an intensely personal reciprocal relationship between man and man and an extra-mundane authority which acts as a counterpoise to the world and its reason. This formulation will not please either the mass man or the collective believer. For the former, the policy of the state is a supreme principle of thought and action. Indeed, this was the purpose for which he was enlightened, and accordingly the mass man grants the individual a right to exist only in so far as the individual is a function of the state. The believer, on the other hand, while admitting that the state has a moral and factual claim, confesses to the belief that not only man, but the state that rules him, is subject to the overlordship of God, and in in case of doubt, the supreme decision will be made by God, not by the state. Since I do not presume to, to any metaphysical judgments, I must leave it an open question whether the phenomenal world of man And hence nature in general Is the opposite of God or not I can only point to the fact That the psychological opposition Between these two realms of experience Is not only vouched for In the New Testament But is still exemplified Very plainly today In the negative attitude Of the dictator states to religion And of the church to atheism And materialism he's showing you the dialectic between science which is the new religion and like all religions to be supreme they must be absolute and they demand absolute obeyance. we see that with inoculations trying to get forced through from what were recently and some are still called as health services well, since when does a service dictate to you? and I'll tell you when it dictates to you is when it's had a period where we have never stopped and told them to get off our backs because the longer we allow things the more dictatorial they become that's the nature of the bully and there is no satisfying the bully no matter how much you grovel there is no satisfying them they demand more and more that's what power is all about just as man as a social being cannot in the long run exist without a tie to the community now that doesn't speak for everyone so the individual never find the real justification for his existence and his own spiritual and moral autonomy anywhere except in the extra mundane principle capable of relativizing the overpowering influence of external factors The individual who is not anchored in, say, God can offer no resistance on his own resources to the physical and moral blandishments of the world For this he needs the evidence of inner transcendent experience, which alone can protect him from the otherwise inevitable submersion in the mass. Merely intellectual or even moral insight into the stultification and moral irresponsibility of the mass man is a negative recognition only and amounts to not much more than a wavering on the road to the atomization of the individual it lacks the driving force of religious conviction since it is merely rational the dictator state has one great advantage over bourgeois reason Now, bourgeois is the old term for middle class that they used to use in the communist sector so this is the great advantage it has over the middle class reason along with the individual it swallows up his religious forces the state has taken the place of God That is why, seen from this angle, the socialist dictatorships are religions and state slavery is a form of worship. But the religious function cannot be dislocated and falsified in this way without giving rise to secret doubts, which are immediately repressed so as to avoid conflict with the prevailing trend towards mass-mindedness. That's what we see in George Orwell's 1984 We see the conflicts that Winston goes through And that they all go through It's almost been like in a computer program Where you're always being updated with new data And you're supposed to just go along with it And change direction at the whim of the state The result, as always in such cases Is overcompensation in the form of fanaticism which in its turn is used as a weapon for stamping out the least flicker of opposition he's talking here about when the state becomes God now remember in the completely mundane the worldly the scientific system which has its own religion it is a religion it's on evolution and all this kind of stuff that's never been proven either you take an awful lot of faith to believe in evolution He's telling you that If you believe in nothing more than a collection of cells With conditioned responses That can be altered through behavioral psychology And repetition And all of that Then the state can do with you As they see fit Because if they claim you're abnormal They then have the right to normalize you According to the dictates of the state And like all gods You see the state when it becomes God Can have no other gods before it So they will not stand for any other point of view or rationale as to who you are and what your duties to the state are they will not stand for any opposition in fact it's worse than religion religion for all of its horrors and they had plenty built into it at least showed you the hypocrisy because they didn't even follow their own dictates of the books that they supposedly followed there was no compassion in the horror shows that they brought on but at least the writings were still contained for the few to say wait a minute here why are they going around burning and slaughtering people whereas with the state there will be no literature given out to oppose what they're doing free opinion in the mass state is stifled and moral decision ruthlessly suppressed on the plea that the end justifies the means even the vilest. The policy of the state is exalted to a creed. The leader or party boss becomes a demigod beyond good and evil, and his votaries are honored as heroes, martyrs, apostles, missionaries. There is only one truth, and beside it no other. It is sacrosanct and above criticism anyone who thinks differently is a heretic who, as we know from history is threatened with all manner of unpleasant things only the party boss who holds the political power in his hands can interpret the state doctrine authentically and he does so just as suits him this should be ringing little alarm bells in people's minds when they see what we're going through today and they remember the laws and so on that have been imposed all very ominous to something to come when through mass rule the individual becomes social unit number so and so now remember that when through mass rule the individual becomes social unit number so and so whatever your number is that you've been given and the status elevated to the supreme principle, it is only to be expected that the religious function, too, will be sucked into the maelstrom. Religion, as the careful observation and taking account of certain invisible and uncontrollable factors, is an instinctive attitude peculiar to man, and its manifestations can be followed all through human history. Its evident purpose is to maintain the psychic balance, for the natural man has an equally natural knowledge of the fact that his conscious functions may at any time be thwarted by uncontrollable happenings coming from inside as well as from outside. For this reason, he is always taking care that any difficult decision likely to have consequences for himself and others shall be rendered safe by suitable measures of a religious nature offerings are made to the invisible powers formidable blessings are pronounced and all kinds of solemn rites are performed everywhere and at all times there have been rites d'entrée et de whose magical efficacy is denied and which are impugned as magic and superstition by rationalists incapable of psychological insight but magic has above all a psychological effect whose importance should not be underestimated the performance of a magical action that's in quotation marks gives the person concerned a feeling of security which is absolutely essential for carrying out a decision because a decision is inevitably somewhat one-sided and is therefore rightly felt to be a risk Even a dictator thinks it necessary not only to accompany his acts of state with threats, but to stage them with all manner of solemnities. Brass bands, flags, banners, parades and monster demonstrations are no different in principle from the ecclesiastical processions, cannonades and fireworks to scare off demons. Only the suggestive parade of state power engenders a collective feeling of security which, unlike religious demonstrations, gives the individual no protection against his inner demonism. Hence he will cling all the more to the power of the state, that is, to the mass, thus delivering himself up to it psychically as well as morally, and putting the finishing touch to his social depotentiation. The state, like the church, demands enthusiasm, self-sacrifice and love. And if religion requires or presupposes the fear of God, then the dictator state takes good care to provide the necessary terror. When the rationalist directs the main force of his attack against the magical effect of the right, as asserted by tradition, he has in reality completely missed the mark. The essential point, the psychological effect, is overlooked although both parties make use of it for directly opposite purposes. A similar situation prevails with regard to their respective conceptions of the goal. The goals of religion, such as deliverance from evil, reconciliation with God, rewards in the hereafter and so on, turn into worldly promises about freedom from care for one's daily bread. The just distribution of material goods universal prosperity in the future and a shorter working hour or week that the fulfilment of these promises is as far off as paradise only furnishes yet another analogy and underlines the fact that the masses have been converted from an extra mundane goal to a purely worldly belief which is extolled with exactly the same religious fervour and exclusiveness that the creeds display in the other direction In order not to repeat myself unnecessarily I shall not enumerate all the parallels between worldly and otherworldly beliefs but shall content myself with emphasizing the fact that a natural function which has existed from the beginning like the religious function cannot be disposed of with rationalistic and so called enlightened criticism. You can of course represent the doctrinal contents of the creeds as impossible and subject them to ridicule but such methods miss the point and do not they hit the religious function which forms the basis of the creeds religion in the sense of conscientious regard for the rational factors of the psyche and individual fate reappears evilly distorted in the deification of the state and the dictator Naturum expellas, furcatam, usker recurrit you can throw out nature with a pitchfork but she'll always turn up again the leaders and dictators having weighed up the situation correctly are therefore doing their best to gloss over the all too obvious parallel with the deification of Caesar and to hide the real power behind the fiction of the state though this of course alters nothing as I have already pointed out The dictator state, besides robbing the individual of his rights, has also cut the ground from under his feet psychically by depriving him of metaphysical foundations of his existence. The ethical decision of the individual human being no longer counts. What alone matters is a blind movement of the masses, and the lie has thus become the operative principle of political action. The state has drawn the logical conclusions from this, as the existence of many millions of state slaves completely deprived of all rights mutually testifies. He was talking then about the the, 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 the communist system. We saw that in China too. So he's saying that you can you can try and crush out obeyance to one master, but it must transform and simply obey the new master in a, in a similar way with a similar fanaticism if need be that's why horror intensifies as it ping pongs between one form and the other from religion which is the worship of whatever deity they've given you to the state itself when you worship the state the only difference being with religion in most religions you'll find there's some kind of empathy for victims once in a while mixed with all the hatred for those who oppose them and that's true too but there's always some kind of mercy here and there with the state which is law there's none both the dictator state and denominational Lay quite particular emphasis on the idea of community now this is very important because now we see it's come together we've seen that capitalism and communism had the same goals all along because they were invented by the same people as a dialectic both the dictator state and denominational religion lay quite particular emphasis on the idea of community this is the basic ideal of communism and it is thrust down the throats of the people so much that it has the exact opposite of the desired effect it inspires divisive mistrust the church, which is no less emphasized appears on the other side as a communal ideal it's an ideal, not a reality and where the church is notoriously weak as in Protestantism The hope of or belief in a communal experience makes up for the painful lack of cohesion, and that's what the the Protestants think too—that it's a a mass rising from the grave and up they go, and they're all saved, and that's it. And Billy Graham's on the in the vanguard, leading the charge with a big flag. The hope of or belief in a communal experience makes up for the painful lack of cohesion, as can easily be seen. Community. Inverted commas, is an indispensable aid in the organization of masses and is therefore a two-edged weapon. Just as the addition of however many zeros will never make a unit, so the value of a community depends on the spiritual and moral stature of the individuals composing it. For this reason one cannot expect from the community any effect that would outweigh the suggestive influence of the environment that is a real and fundamental change in individuals whether for good or for bad such changes can only come from the personal encounter between man and man but not from communistic or Christian baptisms en masse which do not touch the inner man how superficial the effect of communal propaganda actually is can be seen from recent events in Europe that was a while ago the communal ideal reckons without its host overlooking the individual human being who in the end will assert his claims now the elite know that the individual would have to assert his claims and that's the rush on for the totalitarian system we're now into where everyone's watched and monitored and ultimately will get all chipped They know this. They know what Young's talking about because they have all these professionals and large boards and committees employed full time working on this kind of strategy. They understand that you cannot suppress the individual past a certain point, then he must reassert himself, its nature. But they know this. And remember what he said about community in Agenda 21 which every country pretty well has signed they talk and talk about the community Uh, communitarianism is what George Bush Sr. called it and that's what he said he'd promote Uh, this is the habitat area idea where we'll all be appointed our tasks, we sit and make beads at the side of the road and sell them to tourists or whatever they dream up for us and you'll see it through all advertising because advertising is not there simply to market ideas into your head that's a big part of it but the marketing companies are tied intricately with governments and they market new ideas which the government points out to them they want them to take and you'll hear that with with so many big companies now the big building companies and all that Uh, like factories where everything's on on racks and you walk in and it's just a huge factory in a sense and their advertising will tell you they're part of your community really really, they're part of your community well what is a community? a bunch of stores demanding you buy their stuff in fact killing off all the other little stores around them and once they're out of the way then they jack their prices up so undercut first then Put them out of business and jack up the prices, the oldest game in the book. But they're part of your community. The Agenda 21 UN agenda is the agenda for the 21st century, where ultimately we've all to gradually be put into these communal communities and habitat areas where we'll no doubt grow up like a bunch of vegetables different kinds of vegetables and be appointed your particular dish that's where you go and that's where you go and this is what you do and it's a wonderful prospect where this world of experts will create this beautiful utopia and this is what they have planned and that's what everything's working towards and you'll find all of the politically correct crew from who who start politics with the, the little boards of charity that they join and try to climb their way up the ladder they don't give a darn about the charities or, the, or anything else, they fill their pockets they learn how to play the game of politics who to get to meet what to say, what not to say, what to ask, what not to ask uh, what masonic groups to join and how to always kiss the feet of the guy who is the chairman of your little charity group because he's the guy who gives a wink and a nod to put you elsewhere once he's vetted you but they parrot all this stuff they hear the terms they know this is the end thing that they want to hear and they parrot all these phrases like, like robots and if you ever hear bureaucrats speaking to each other all they're doing is exchanging all their conditioned parrot phrases between each other and standing outside of it all looking at it is quite entertaining although it does get boring this is the world we live in it's a planned world where communism with the techniques that they used and experimented on on the masses have now been submerged with capitalism communism and and massive bureaucracies will run the world It's, it's already happened it's done and man's inhumanity to man is starting to display itself what it has for a long time because bureaucracies are the greatest weapon to destroy those at the bottom that's why Hitler and all of the, the staff that worked for him the bureaucrats could go through numbers and figures and statistics because they were depersonalized They weren't people anymore They were numbers and statistics the bureaucrats being far far removed from the camps and the same thing happened in the Soviet system with their massive bureaucracy where they sent them off to various camps including Siberia and starved them, killed them, beat them shot them same thing, there's no difference at all whatsoever but all the experience that was gained in both of them is put together into the one and all governments learned it, and CIA did and MI6 did, and they all learned all this stuff because to them the control of the masses is uh, tremendous data it's, it's data which they crave how it's all done they never destroy knowledge they simply keep it from the public so what Jung was talking about the metaphysical aspect he's not talking about you know, pulling cards out and reading the stars or anything like that he's talking about a a, a basic need within people to at least know or touch or feel something which is outside the control of the power or the powers in this world it's a a balance for health it's often the balance the crisis that keeps a person going and of course all the sharks get in on it too with their promises of of selling experiences or telling your fortune this is all ancient again too Uh, that's another show another few shows in fact but he's talking about a metaphysical unverifiable thing which only the individual themselves or himself or herself can experience So much so that you can't simply hand it to someone else, it wouldn't mean anything to them, and certainly not the same. It's your own experiences that come or matter to you, for you. That is your way of being mentally healthy, or psychically healthy, or call it what you want, without having wars over words what he's really pointing out is that a world hell-bent on bureaucratic a political, bureaucratic and scientific institutions they will have no opposition no other gods before them and they will be crueler and far worse than even all the religions have gone before with all their persecutions because in the state doctrine where the state is God there's nothing written in their books that says they must have compassion or mercy and just like someone who's gone under control they'll go through a frenzy of fury destroying whatever's in their path until they're physically exhausted and it can create an awful lot of damage in the process so will the state with all of its might and power it would bring us all to a standstill eventually in themselves a utter horror show before it was exhausted and it would take exhaustion to stop them the fanaticism as a, an ugly ugly face now Carol Young himself had his own personal experiences which some would call metaphysical and that's what made him stand up against Freud who was completely atheistic at least that's what he pretended to be and he had to for his role was to convince the public that we're just a whole blob of protoplasm and cells with inbuilt codings etc they can be manipulated and we're very malleable and we can be perfected to serve the system this book is worth a read remembering that young could also lose himself in what was and still is an infant doctrine it shouldn't even be called a doctrine really because it really is put together with way too many theories, way too many mistakes which have been proven. But it was least the attempt to understand some things with which make up as unfortunately, if you, if you explain what humanity is or an individual is, you're showing up the weaknesses for those who will exploit society. And psychiatry is in bed. It's in bed with totalitarianism it has been from the beginning psychiatry was decided a long time ago to be used as one of the major tools along with psychology and behaviorism for creating the new world, the new type of society the more obedient, placid, functional utilitarian type society using their new sciences of understanding how we operate so all learning gets abused Pandora's box is open And those who are in power Always exploit And their first job is to maintain themselves in power And since we live in a dog-eat-dog society Based on money An accumulation of money Which also means that those who have no money Have a terror of being utterly poor And destitute and that's really instilled in everyone you have an an overcompensation within people to get to the top so they have way more than they'd ever need and they destroy other lives in the process of getting up there and that's called being successful in this crazy old world there are a lot of people out there all over the world generally isolated from each other understand what I'm talking about they also understand that I'm not necessarily telling them that it's, you're going to have some other kind of utopia I'm just stating things as they are and yet from understanding all of this you can escape a tremendous burden of uncertainty and anxiety because those things come from the lack of understanding you're reacting to things which make no sense to you when they do make sense to you a lot of that worry goes and you regain a respect for yourself and you stop blaming yourself for whatever, for failed marriages for whatever it is that's your big hang up Um, most marriages don't have a chance a snowflake's chance in hell deliberately so because they targeted the sexes a long time ago to separate them so that they can't get on for a long period of time that was all deliberate the destruction of the family unit all written down in the communist manifesto the different planks, look at them all, they've all been completed and as was intended the two paths join capitalism and communism for the next part of the show I hope I've given you some things to ponder you can always get Young's book The Undiscovered Self this one's called The Undiscovered Self where he scratches the surface when he didn't know it all himself but at least he tried to put candidly forth views which were not well accepted by his own supposed profession and it takes a bit of courage, at least, to go against the mass in any time, any era, in any situation. For me and Hamish, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods, but definitely not your doctrine. Go with you.